The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello. Welcome to Ladies First Fridays. The last time you saw Zena Kata and myself, we were in Vegas, but we are not in mm-hmm. Vegas anymore. However, the sports news cycle continues. So thank you for joining today, Zena. Let's get into it because we have company yes. waiting. But let's let's start with the topic you and I don't normally start with, and that is the NFL, you know. Um, have been unhappy lately. Saquon Barkley being one of them. Um, the extent, the deadline for any extensions was Monday. Mm -hmm. He was not extended. Josh Jacobs wasn't a number of people were not extended. And so he went on a podcast and he spoke about the contract situation. Let's hear what Saquon had to say. Uh, you, you know your words, but at the same time, you got to be mature about it. You got to understand it's business. You can't take it personal. $10 million is a lot of money. But when you talk about, I know what Derrick Henry signed for. I know what Nick Chubb signed for. I know what Dalvin Cook contract previously was. I know what Christian McCaffrey contract is. He's the highest. He's at like $16 million. And I'm not even asking. Of course. For, I'm not even asking to be the highest paid. In my belief, I believe I'm the best running back in the NFL. You ask me that to my core. I believe... I don't, I don't care about stats. I don't care about this. Like, every situation was different. I believe I'm the best running back in the NFL. And I'm not even asking to be paid the highest running back. If I'm sitting here telling you at one point in the season I have 40% of our offense and I finished the season with 30% of our offensive production, like, I don't know what other bats can really say that and were able to help my team make it to the playoffs, the first time I make it to the playoffs in five, six, seven years. So yeah. I'm not even going to war for that. I have no worry about going on a football field and knowing that I'm not playing for my worth or saying if I have to play under, because that's this is my leverage. My leverage is I can say F-ing to the Giants, I can say F-ing to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. Right. I won't play it down. And that's a that's a that's a that's a play I can use. Do I? Anybody knows me knows that's not something I want to do. But like it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like I has never to. I never thought I would ever do that. But like now I'm in a point where it's like Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level. And like, am I willing? Am I prepared to take it to the level? I don't know. That's something I got to sit down and like I got to talk to my family. I got to sit down and talk to my team. Got to really you know strategize about this. Can't just like go off of emotions because like I have like. I sit here and say, like, oh, be mature. I have my moments. Mm. Like, I have I have my moments where I want to, like, I see something on this, this stupid-ass phone, and <laughs> I want to respond. I want to let the world know how I really feel. But, like, I, I am at a place where if I do go on the field and I have to play and prove again, I'm fine with that. Jim Trotter, welcome to Lady What's First. What's up, Friday. ladies? We love it when you're with us. Welcome. You guys know I love being with you guys. So happy to be here. Thank you. So that was Saquon Barkley. And, you know, I think he said so much. I really wish I could have played more of of what he was saying. Um, 
I don't mean to sound like one of those people who's like, I want to be very careful how I say this, but I was just very impressed with um, his knowledge of like his contract situation, negotiating his value, his worth, how he discussed it. And I just, I wish that all players were like basically as knowledgeable uh-huh. as him. You know, he talked about his value in relation to the cap. Like, why would we be thinking about what something was, you know, so many years ago because the cap has gone up? You know, he just talked about a lot in there that we couldn't even include. Um, But I just I thought it was a great discussion. And there's been this quote, Jim, that's been going around because, you know, it was like, oh, he may sit out. And it was something he discussed. But the way the quote was sort of presented, it was almost like it didn't it didn't tell the full story. So that's why I thought it was important for us to include everything he said there, because he really wasn't threatening to sit out. He's just like that would be his leverage play, but he's not really sure that he wants to do that. So um, I, I just thought it was fascinating a number of the things he said. And I wanted to understand from you, Jim, what what are your thoughts? Do you think there's a chance he would sit out? And how do you see this this situation playing out? No, I don't think he sits out at all. I think you could tell even during that interview that that's not the direction he was leaning. Now that could always change, but I don't see that happening. Here's the other thing. Even if the Giants at this point wanted to get a long-term deal done with Saquon, they can't. They're prohibited under the collective bargaining agreement from negotiating a long-term deal with him until after this season now because the oh. deadline is passed. So, so we are where we are as it relates to that situation. Everything he said is true about understanding his value to the team, but the reality is... That doesn't matter at this point. It is a business. The Giants have made a decision not to pay him on a long-term deal at this point, just as the Raiders have made that decision on Josh Jacobs. Both of them are the heart and soul of their offenses. But for this year, they're going to have to play under the franchise tag. Or if they choose not to come in, um, they're going to lose money that they're they're never going to regain. Do you think, Jim, that, you know, when people say that they put on the franchise tag, that that essentially is one big F you to a player, right? It's basically telling them we don't have to pay you or we don't have to offer you something big um, in that case. When you think about even if he has to get a contract extension after this season, the relationship relationship seems broken now, right? In that same podcast and, you know, Saquon talked about he appreciated John Mara talking to him like a man. Um, and coming to him and, and he respected the fact that he was talking to him about business and wanting to extend that and that was a fruitful conversation. And then in February. Oh, Zine, I think you froze for a moment. A franchise. Yeah, look, I, I think I understand where that you were going with this. Him. The relationship may the relationship may seem and fractured, but I would argue that it's blistered things a bit. Yeah, I would argue that it's that it's not fractured. Um, I've seen too many instances where players or teams have let their feelings get in the way for a moment, and then in the end, there's this kumbaya mm-hmm. moment. And they all come together. I think if Saquon ultimately gets what he wants after this season, if the Giants step up and pay him, everything will be fine and this will be forgotten. Um, but right now, it's raw, and as he said, he's human. Um, he has those moments where his real feelings start to come out but he's mature enough to stop himself from addressing that on social media. And I applaud him for that. But no, this, this, this is just the nature of, of negotiations, unfortunately in business. And let me say this, 
The problem I have with all of this was what happened in 2011 during the collective bargaining agreement when the union basically threw running backs under the bus. Because what happened was the owners wanted a rookie wage scale. And Gene Upshaw, the previous executive director of the NFLPA, would never give it to the owners because he said a rookie is only a rookie for one year. And after that, he is a team leader and a team captain. Well, DeMora Smith gave that up in his first term, his first negotiation as NFLPA executive director. And my thing was, if you were going to give them a rookie wage scale on the front end controlling their costs, then these players have to be able to make that money up on the back end. And when you give owners a four-year guarantee, plus a fifth-year option, plus three years to franchise a player, if you're a running back and the average career span, according to the NFLPA, is just over three years, you are never going to see the open market if you are a talented player. And that is simply unfair to these players. But the players agree to it. So in essence, they have no one to blame but themselves. Yeah. I, yeah, the players and their collective bargaining is always something I think to look at and, and, and question. I just wonder, Jim, like I, how did we get to the point where the running back position has become so devalued and, and what, I mean, I I don't think he should sit out. I don't see any purpose in that, but what purpose could it, would it serve for him to sit out? Like, is he, I mean, the, the the Giants have to know his value. I mean, he said it on there, like, I account for 40% of the offense, you know, something around right. that number. But, like, I get it that, like, all running backs aren't created equal, but he is one of the best. According to Correct. him, he's the best in the, in the National Football League. So when we know that a running back of his caliber is worth more, why why do we have to keep going through this? Um, because the system is set up in such a way that teams can take this position. It's always fascinating to me how teams say, well, we can't pay a guy because traditionally and precedent says you don't pay a player at this position this amount of money. But if you flip it, you know, and a player outperforms um, um, a situation or you see a Deshaun Watson get a fully guaranteed contract and then Lamar Jackson may say, I want that. And the team says, well, no, we can't do it because it's never been done, but here it's just been done for Deshaun, so that doesn't fit. So the teams try and play it both ways here. The thing that's unfortunate for me is, again, running backs, if they are talented, and as you say, there are different levels to running backs. They are not all created equally. Um, and their value goes simply goes beyond just their ability to run the football or score touchdowns or even catch passes. One of the most important things for a running back in today's game is pass protection. Because if you can't protect that quarterback, who is the most important player on that field, the chances of you succeeding are not very good. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, these guys are complete running backs, and so therefore they should be paid. But the system is such that teams don't have to, and they choose not to in this instance. And we've now gotten to a point where if Josh Jacobs or if Saquon were to decide not to sign their tenders and to sit out this year, could they make a point? Yes, but is it going to change anything? I just don't see it. Yeah, so Jim, I wonder, um, it, you know, I, I sort of said like, you know, it seems personal for Saquon Barkley and it should be. And I say that because like he removed the giant. He removed the giants from his bio. And I know you mentioned that, you know, like 
Debo you know, Samuel they did the same thing, didn't he? With the 49ers, I think. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the new move. That's the new move yeah. for yeah. all athletes to indicate that they're over yeah. the situation or to posture like this is me establishing my power and my, my strength and removing you. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. And look, he indicated that he wants to stay with the Giants, like his right. family's from there. He's like in that area. So you're right. It probably will eventually just all work out. But, you know, I just kind of always, he kept trying to express during the podcast, like, you know, you got to be mature. You can't take it personally. Um, but why can't you take it personally? Like, I just never understand this always. It's business. It's not personal. Like, it's personal. You know, it's you're questioning my value. You're not paying me my worth. It's personal. And so I don't have a problem with him sort of reacting in this way, but um, it just seems unfortunate because it feels like the player's hands are tied and there's just nothing they can do. Yeah, I think when they say you can't take it personal, what they're really saying is that you can't let emotion impact business decisions. And so you don't want to do anything that's going to hurt um, your standing or your ability to get where you want to get in that sense. So. For Saquon and Josh, absolutely it should be personal because again, they are the heart and soul of their respective offenses. They did put up incredible numbers yet last year. They do deserve to be paid better than they are being paid under the franchise tag. But again, the system is what it is and unless they're willing to fight that, I see them playing under the franchise tag this year. Yeah. And also on that point, I actually think Saquon will play because these types of things also impact who you are off the field. And we know Saquon to be kind of like a marketing dar darling, right? He's got deals with Duncan, Nike, Pepsi. I mean, the list goes on. And if you're sitting out a year, that does impact your value and how those brands see you. Uh, even though, yes, it could probably make up that $10 million that he won't get, it still will impact the ability for those extensions of those partnerships to extend. So I definitely see him playing as well, just to not impact how he's seen off the field as well. Yeah, if I could say this, the one thing that truly bothers me in this entire situation is the way the NFL is set up and that players are paid based on the position that they play. In mm. no other sport is your salary tied to the position that you play. In basketball, if you are the most impactful player and you play center or you play guard or you play forward, you get paid the most money. Theoretically, that's how it works. No one says, well, you can only make this much because you're a guard or a center or a forward. Same thing in baseball. Um, but in football, a guy like Saquon and a guy like Josh Jacobs can be the most impactful player on their team. And yet, I think Josh Jacobs, in terms of salary cap allocation, is going to rank sixth or seventh on the Raiders. That's not right. To me, guys should be paid based on their impact and contributions to their team. But that's not the system set up in the NFL, and that's really unfortunate. Yeah, I, that's actually an excellent point. I I would say in the NBA that that is true theoretically, though. You don't get paid as much for your defense and, as offense. And like those defensive players who can be very impactful um, mm -hmm. on your team, they will just never 
you know, we, we, we're going to get to this team later that we all know and love the Warriors. But like some would argue that Draymond Green was always a more impactful player than Klay Thompson, but he would never get the salaries Klay Thompson got because it was his defense and not offense. So, but I agree with you that the salary should be based on your impact. And we have lots of measures now to determine impact and what's, you know, affecting winning. And I think we got to sort of move away from these ideas like, oh, you're a running back or, you know, this role just doesn't get paid as high because right. it's not, you know, like look at the team and what's your value to the team. And if you should, if your value is tremendous, then you should get paid for that. So, um, always great talking with you, Jim Trotter, but there, yeah. there's other news in the NFL. There's other news in the NFL. So let's, let, let's move to, to, to Washington, DC, our nation's capital. Cause capital. the fans are happy. They're happy. The fans are happy because woo, and they should be. They should be. They should be. He's it's out. He's out. They should be. Yeah, they should be. I, I mean, you know, as I wrote, he's going to go down as the most despicable owner um, and despised mm-hmm. owner in, in franchise history, which is saying a lot. Consider one of the patriarchs of that franchise was George Preston Marshall, who was so racist he wouldn't integrate the team until the federal government said we won't let you play in our stadium unless you integrate the team so um so it's a good thing that he's gone here's the thing that doesn't sit well with me about this whole situation is that the women who are most responsible for dan snyder being out have never gotten the closure that they want in this situation in terms of the first investigation that was done by beth wilkinson that report Roger Goodell decided or when it entered into an agreement with the commanders and with Snyder that that report would not be released publicly unless Snyder agreed to it. And we know he was never going to agree to that. So for these women who laid it all on the line, who risk, you know, public um, scrutiny, who risk financial loss, all of these different things, all they want is for that report to be public. And that has not happened. And so therefore, they cannot celebrate this moment to the same level that fans mm. are and other followers of the franchise. Yeah. What's no. sad is I, I remember working um, when Beth Wilkinson's reports went out. I remember working for the Miami Dolphins and I was a coordinator. So all I was doing was appearances with the dance team. And I remember this being a conversation point amongst the dance team talking about those trips with the uh, the sponsors and the partners and how they the women at the at the then Redskins were being treated, and then going now having coworkers from the Miami Dolphins who have now gone on to work for the Commanders and worked throughout the NFL, and them talking about what the front office experience has been like. Uh, they do have a very long way to go. Whether this re- report gets out or not, whether those things are released or not, the problem is the action that is taken afterwards. Right. And that is what Josh Harris is going to now have to clean up is even if that that the day comes that they can get that report out, what are they going to do to clean up the mess and the culture that has been left as a permeating stain on the commanders? And the fact of the matter is there there's no amount of ticket sales that you can sell to make up for that culture within a front office, both on the football side and uh, the HQ side or the business side. So that, I think, is a really big question I have um, as to how Josh Harris is going to come and clean it up. I know Magic Johnson had some comments around it this morning, or I think it was yesterday morning, around they're going to do everything they can to make it a great place to work. That's a PR question or PR answer if you needed one. 
But what are you actually going to do to, to help those women, help the people in the front office who are absolutely tired and burdened by this entire saga? Yeah, my guess is probably not much, but we'll see. And I hope they do. And I mean, one of the ways that we'll know that is by hirings and terminations and and who they bring in and 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 what we see comes next because the biggest way like to change culture you have to also change like the people in leadership right and i mean that that happens on some level anyway when ownership changes but in general um a culture change is not something easy to do it's something that takes time and so we'll see by the actions if they're really about it you know uh what they're saying well, so i'll say yeah i'll say this real quick I, I think that the culture change started somewhat the last couple of years with last few years when jason wright came in as team right. president and then ron rivera as head coach i think they have made some moves to try and change that culture and now it will be incumbent on josh harris and that group to to further those actions and 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 create an environment that is conducive to res respect for employees respect for women, all those sorts of things. So I think that they're, I, I think they are going to make that culture change. And you're right, it does take time. But Dan Snyder, uh, it, it just it, it. I know that to some extent, NFL owners are, are acting as if they are the noble ones here in terms of forcing him out. But let's not forget, they had an opportunity to vote him out earlier. And they chose not right. to vote him out. Instead, they pressured him to sell this team. So I'm not about to give them a pat on the back for this, especially when they're lining their pockets with a record franchise fee for North America. That's not okay to me. To me, I think these women who initially brought forth these claims are the real heroes here. And they deserve a lot of credit and they deserve to be recognized for what they did in terms of changing the culture in Washington, getting Dan Snyder out of there, and standing up for what was right. Some of these women, at least one that I know of, turned down a major settlement uh, agreement to stand on principle and to speak her truth to Beth Wilkinson. Wow. And that's why, in my opinion, I think these women have every right to say, we want this report to be public. Wow. Yeah. That's, sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, I was gonna say, well, <laughs> I mean, this is why we have Jim Trotter, right? You, yeah. <laughs> this is why we have you to add to these conversations. I, I mean, I think one of the things, and it's probably like a low-key thing, but I know, Zena, you're always kind of interested in things like branding and marketing and, and things like that. But mm -hmm. one of the things that they're saying is that like they're going to probably change the name again. And I actually think that's probably like an underrated but really important change that's mm -hmm. going to happen to sort of like disconnect themselves from the previous errors. So I was just curious yeah. your thoughts on that, Zena. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an overhaul, but you're right. There's a connection to the commanders, even though it's a new name, it's a new name that was supposed to be a shift from the old name or a quick one, right? Like how quickly did the commanders of the name that come up? How were fans really involved with that? Were people excited about that? Right now, the Washington commanders looks like a Band-Aid on the Redskins, right? And so I think changing the name, all of that, it's going to be an overhaul. Partners are going to have to get used to it. Fans are going to have to get used to it, all the above. But it will be a breath of fresh air, I think, for the D.C. community, all the Washington fans. Um, it's very, I'm going to be very interested in how they go about this process this time. But the good news is, is that Josh Harris is a pro. 
Uh, this is going to be a mess for him to clean up, but he is a pro. Hair splitzer, uh, what they've done with the 76ers. I mean, this is a man that is known for for carrying teams to glory um, in terms of turning them around. So I'm, I'm really excited for him. Uh, his hands are going to be busy. I, I hope the Magic Johnson, like congratulations to Magic Johnson, by the way, uh, becoming an owner. Uh, he has 4% of the team. Not huge, but significant. Um, I hope that that dynamic doesn't become a distraction in all of this. Uh, but I really think that the name change, the, the culture change, all these things are going to set them off on a better path. Okay, I'm not even going to weigh in on this because um, I'm going to just let Jim close us out on this. But is that 4%? Because I mean, Magic is here talking about, if we could get up his next tweet, he's talking about this is like moment, he didn't say momentous, let me not rephrase the man's word, but he just said like, this is a big thing for the black community. Historic. Um, yeah, historic. Yeah. historic. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, is it historic for the for the black community? Um, so I, it's historic, I guess, in no. terms of, him being another black owner in the NFL and it's historic probably for Magic Johnson. Um, but I, I didn't agree with that sentiment, but Jim, what do you think of Magic's 4% ownership? <laughs> not a lot to be, not a lot to be not frank to with you. Um, look, if you want to, if you want to get me excited about black ownership, then be the controlling owner, be the person who has mm-hmm. the power to make decisions. Magic doesn't have that. This is no different for me than when Jay-Z was a part owner of the New Jersey Nets. Or I can look at Larry Fitzgerald being a part owner of the Phoenix Suns or whatever. It's great that there's um, limited partners who are minorities, but I want to see people who actually run franchises, who make the decisions. And off the top of my head, I can only think of two Blacks who have ever owned a major uh, professional sports franchise and they were both in the NBA, and that was both uh, in Charlotte with Bob Johnson followed by Michael Jordan there. So um, so kudos to Magic, and he should be excited, but I believe he said some of the same things after he was a limited partner with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, let's get to a point where we have black ownership in the league who are in a controlling position, in a decision-making position. And again, if we're gonna talk historic, I can think of some black women who are part of the Denver Broncos group um, in terms of ownership. And to me, that was more significant than than Magic being part of the Washington Commanders. Just being honest here. Yeah. Wow. Look, shout out to anyone who's a Black owner. I don't want to, like, minimize it, but I think Jim's point is important that we need to be in positions to make decision, have decision. Of authority. Of authority. Authority yeah, and actually be able to make decisions, I think. So, Jim, we shouldn't just be figureheads, right? We just don't yeah. want to be figureheads and talking no. heads. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I'm over yeah. no, but That's what they do. They, they trot us out. Yeah, they exactly. trot us out and, and put us mm. out front like they really, exactly. we've really made progress when, in fact, we haven't made any progress. Exactly. Yeah. I'm over the symbolism and the performative stuff. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Appreciate you. We need you back on again more. We, we miss you. You always bring the fire. Always bring the fire. My number hasn't changed. You've been busy, man. You've been My busy. You've been busy. You've got a new job. you got a lot going on, but football is too close. So I we'll always have here. time for you, ladies. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. We'll right. be inviting you back soon. Bye. Thank you. Have you 
ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. I felt like I was struggling with Kaminga a bit. Like, what am I doing wrong? Not necessarily what he's doing wrong. And AV, who has a great relationship with him, told me, he said, do you know him? That's a deep question. I start thinking about what it means to know someone. I don't know him. Mm -hmm. Yet I'm trying to lead him. And that's something that Coach Izzo taught me as a freshman. Draymond, how can you lead somebody if you don't know them? You don't spend any time with them. (laughs) That's a deep question, Dina. I just like that. <laughs> That's a deep question. You, you messy. You messy. You are messy. No, but um, listen, oh. I listen. I I'm. I don't really want to talk about Draymond that much, but we we know we talked about him on Wednesday, and just he had all these, you know, his whole back and forth with with. Jordan Poole's father and then Jordan Poole's friend and Jordan Poole chimed in. It was all this stuff over social because Draymond reignited the, uh, you know, resurfaced everything that happened with the punch by suggesting, you know, he doesn't just punch people. So clearly sort of like indicating that Poole may have said something, right? I'm not going to, we're not going to like go back there and have that whole discussion again, but just, you know, he does that. He also, um, was on Pat Beverly's podcast talking about his relationship with Chris Paul, right, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And basically saying, yeah, I'm not going to front because, like, he's on record. It's noted that he said he doesn't like Chris Paul. So he's like, but, you know, we're going to talk and it- it's going to be good to talk to adults again in the room. And I'm like, well, first of all, how are you throwing shade at people being adults? But it was just like, also, it was just sort of the way he like reacted and talked about it. It's just like, do you have to be emphasizing the fact that you didn't like Chris Paul and you're not going to front about it? And then, you know, now reports come out about his relationship with Jonathan Kaminga, which he spoke about on this podcast with Paul George. And he basically, he doesn't say that there is a beef, but he says that they don't really have like a close relationship, right? And Monty Poole said... Monty Poole says, you know, it is a problem and it can only be fixed by Draymond, right? The fact that they have a non-relationship. 
And so I'm just sort of wondering, like, Zena, he's doing all this talking, and we know that Jonathan Kaminka has a relationship with Jordan Poole, right? Because, mm, right. He, like, he he tweeted or he he threaded, is that the new term? He threaded, yes. like, a message, <laughs> a message to him, right? So he did mm. that. Um, we know Wiggins has a relationship with Poole. We know um, um, Loon has a relationship with Poole, and I'm sure others right. do. Is right. Dr- I just feel like Draymond is a, is disrupting. He's starting off the season again, and again, sure. the season hasn't started, but he's just creating unnecessary drama already right now that's not needed. Sure. Yeah. In my attempt to empathize and try to understand why there is so much attention right now uh, around Draymond that he is cultivating himself, my thought in my in my empathy mind is thinking that he is trying to ensure that people don't think he is, and for lack of a better word, an a-hole, right? A terrible person, a person that hits young players that have relationships with him. We saw the comment from Jordan Poole's best friend saying that they were cool and they, they had looked up to him and they spent time with him. And I'm sure that Draymond doesn't want to seem like he's this awful, mean, unhinged human uh, that just came out of nowhere and, and punched Jordan. Now, what the problem with all of this is, the, the more he continues to talk about it, and it, the less it is an actual accountability statement of, I messed up, I made a mistake, I made a decision that isn't like me, I shouldn't have done it and I apologize, that is it. And rather redirects it to, well, that's not who I am. So you know that if I'm not like that, then that means it's actually more indicative of the other person's behavior. That is that is the distraction that you're talking about, right? The more and more that this continues to drag out, rather than just being accountable, whether it's about Jordan Poole, whether it's about you know the fact that he has said what he has said about Chris Paul in the past, and instead just focuses on, yeah, I've said these things, I've done these things, I'm human, I'm not perfect, but I also know that I'm a good leader and I'm going to be better and I'm going to do better. Rather than that being the conversation, it will be a distraction. It will continue to be a distraction. And where I'm curious, and I know this is something that you've, you've talked about on your Twitter, and, and I know many people are, are talking about this, is where are the accountability brothers, right? Where are the people on his team within the org that are coming to him and saying, bro, you ain't got to do this right? We know you're a good dude. And that was not the, that is not going to be the defining moment of your career. You don't have to go and have yourself, other people, media members go and do this PR tour for you around the Jordan Poole situation. And now it's expanding into this Jonathan Kaminga situation. I really just wish that there would be a, a foot in the ground, draw like, you know, the line drawn in the sand of kill all this noise. We are the warriors. We have a good culture. We are leaders. We respect young players, older players, new players that are joining our ecosystem. And that's it, right? Let's focus on the good things that are going on in our team. So I I really, really, I I wish that would happen. I hope that can happen. I'm not in Draymond's head, so I don't really know why he's saying all this and being the distraction that he ultimately is being. But that's where my mind goes when I try to empathize with the situation, understand what's going on. Yeah, can we go back to that Monty Pool tweet that was just up? Because I was making a lot of faces when you were speaking, Zena, and it's not because you aren't eloquent, because you are, but it is because, I, like, I just feel like I, 
it, it it won't be the defining moment for Draymond's career, but it is a stain on not only it his is. career, but on the the legacy of the Warriors and like what we yeah. perceive their culture to be. And so, you know, Monty Poole, someone we both know, it's no surprise that the younger dudes on the Warriors roster were shook when Dre hit Jordan, wasn't the leadership they'd heard about, punctured the culture, rough intro to the league, three of them since traded. Like, they are probably looking at the Warriors organization sideways. And I feel it's a little misguided for people to believe like, okay, Jordan's been traded and now we just go back to normal. I think they're still mm-hmm. healing and rel- relationship oh, sure. and, and things that have to happen. And um, I just... I don't think there's any more like, come on, Dre, you shouldn't be like, there was a time you notice like after this all happened, we didn't see Draymond potting. I don't think that was like, he just made that choice. Like it's mm. it's enough of like, let's work with Draymond. And it's it's more about like, okay, a directive to Draymond. Like, yeah, right. You cannot talk about Jordan Poole anymore. Like you guys come up with some language you want him to use. And that's the answer going forward. Like this, continuing this discussion because it's a distraction and it's an annoyance and what at whatever point steve kerr meets with the media again or stephen curry does they're going to now have to answer about Uh this situation and Uh i'm sure and mike dunleavy and i'm sure that they did not want to have to deal with that right what they want to be talking about is what's to come for the future what warriors fans want to be talking about is steph curry's underrated film which documentary sure. which debuted today so i mean i didn't do you have anything more on that because we should on on this draymond subject if not we can move yeah. on because that's what we should be talking about i i'll, I'll follow up to your point i agree with you one thousand percent and when i say the accountability police to kill the noise i don't mean that this is just going to go back to normal for them it needs to not be a thing for us, AKA people who are not in the situation, people who are not in that locker room and not on that team. We don't need to be figuring out parts and bits and pieces of how all of this is playing out from one perspective, right? And that's what I mean by the accountability police needs to kill this noise that's leaking out of the gym and out of the warrior's culture and the, the, their, their world from one voice. And there's no balance in that. So I agree with you. There's there's definitely healing that needs to be done, but we shouldn't be a part of it, right? It should be this team that is healing and then we are now seeing the results of that. And yes, this documentary shows you just a little bit of why we care so much about that, that warrior's culture, right? Anyone that saw that clip uh, or the clip so far of Underrated are like, you are mesmerized at what this team was able to do, specifically Steph Curry, it it, it just makes you remember, wow, this is the most underdog story we've seen in decades, right? And this team, how many people counted them out? How many people said the dynasty ends? How many people said uh, there'd there'd be no way that they could come back and get another ring and they did it? Uh, That's what we should be talking about. So I 1000% agree with you on that. Yeah, and you know, people were Warriors fans were buzzing, going crazy. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I haven't I'm watched so it yet. Have you yeah. watched it yet? I have not seen it just yet, but I do plan on seeing it this weekend. Um, I, I just know I it's like going to be know, unreal. I feel like I'm going to know everything about it before I actually watch because so many clips have already <laughs> uh, right. released. Um, but you know, it was sort of feeling like a 
a happy time for the Warriors. And a lot of it was about Steph, but, you know, he had the ACC, he's doing the underrated tour, he has the documentary mm. coming out, you know, and it was sort of like, okay, good vibes, and we're getting back to good vibes, and they need to do some team building. We need to get back to that. But, you know, (laughs) like when Monty even tweeted last night, Warriors fans were like, enough. Like, just tweet about Steph, an underrated film. You know, it's just like... Everybody's tired. They're tired. They don't want to hear about this anymore. Absolutely. (laughs) So I am looking forward to watching this. You know, there was a debate that sort of started around this, this film. And I think it's a very odd thing. Like, people are, like, there's this contingent of people who are offended by the notion that um, Steph Curry's being considered underrated. And I was like, well, for one, we're not talking about him right now in his career, though I would say he's probably still a little underrated. But Mm -hmm. we're talking about what he was going into college and college coming into the NBA and what people thought of him. And I don't... I don't even understand how this is in question. Like, why are we pretending? His dad's alma mater was like, yeah, you can, like, try out for the team. But, you know, (laughs) they weren't willing to give him, you know, a scholarship. And he went to Davidson. I mean, it's not really known as, like, a big-time school. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, why why are we pretending? And he's the reason why a lot of us know Davidson and and gave it notoriety. So... He was Let's just say, he's like the only reason we know Davidson. And I'm a person from North Carolina, did not know Davidson before Seth Curry. So let's not even discount that. I'll tell you what, Twitter always shows me that recency bias is a thing. People will only remember, oh, this man's getting paid $400 million a year. He's got these contracts. He's got this money. He's got Aisha. He's got his family. He's winning championships. They completely forget the Cinderella story that was Davidson, number 10 seeded, coming into that NCAA tournament and, and the upending that they did going and getting kicked out at the Elite Eight. There, there was a, who is this skinny kid out of North Carolina? There was this concept of he's too small. There's this concept of what position does he play? Is he going to be good enough? Oh, he only shoots the three. He's not that good going into the paint. I mean, there was all of these narratives of just how not good he was or not good enough. So right. yeah, we're sending this out right now while he's four rings down and he's got these contracts and all the above. But people, let's not forget the stories. Let's not forget the, the, the narrative. No, right? You could even on. argue that this documentary is premature because I expect him to add more mm-hmm. to his resume. You know who? That's is a really not- good point. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. You know who is not underrating Stephen Curry? Usain Bolt. Another goat. <laughs> yes, I because love that. Love he that. tweeted. He tweeted out a picture of himself today in Stephen Curry's jersey, and mm-hmm. I, we just have to give a shout out to you know my brethren, my breda. That's you hey. know, go, hey, 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 hey. he knows what's um, up. We have to give a he shout knows out to see Sam Bolt. I mean, he yes. is a Warriors fan. We've seen he's put up in stories before mm-hmm. um, with him cheering for the Dubs. I don't think it's a coincidence that he put this picture out today, Zena. Or maybe no. I'm just wishful thinking. But on the day, I mean, underrated drops. It's probably, I mean, let's just be real. Usain Bolt also is not an, un, like, he's not an Under Armour athlete. Like, he's not doing this to support, like, you know, someone within his this world. No, he, he dropped this on purpose. Now, this jersey might be in his rotation. Right, it might be his weekly outfit, right on Fridays, whatever it is. But 
yes, him dropping this photo with his Mercedes Benz looking good. This is so Jamaican, I love it. But like he, of course, <laughs> he of course put this out. I think, yes, he wanted to show some love to his brother, make sure that that was the focus. Um, and you know, you say he's actually, he's good for this. He's good for supporting other athletes and, and good for supporting the Warriors in particular and making sure they get their love. So shout out to you saying, appreciate you knowing what's up and knowing what matters. Yeah, of course. And I would be remiss because there's some other NBA news. And we talked earlier oh, yes. in the show. Mm -hmm. We talked earlier in the show about the fact that like players keep removing things from their bios. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the NBA did that recently. And that is yes. James Harden. This saga with the Philadelphia Sixers, it continues, Zena. Mm -hmm. And and you know, I don't know what to make of it because the reports are that he is still set. <laughs> On going to the Clippers, he's still set on mm -hmm. going to the Clippers. Um, I, you know, I, ultimately, I think that deal eventually happens. But yeah. James Harden is not happy, and like this is not like official. But there's just been some rumors sort of circulating that part of this is about the fact that like you know he opted out of his deal. He left some money on the table last year, so they would be able to pay other players mm -hmm. and. Um, and then so he was expecting the max, the full max, two hundred yeah. mil, and like that, like that. There was a wink, wink deal, and and you're not supposed to have wink, wink deals. But this is why, because people never expected this relationship between you know Harden and 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 Darryl Morey to be strained because they always had like mm -hmm. a great relationship. So he's yeah. removed the Sixers. He has removed the Philadelphia Sixers from his bio. Um, and also like he, he said on going to the Clippers. So how do yeah. you see this playing out, Zena? Um, what's so interesting is that I don't know. And the thing is, we're not going to know anytime soon. Like there's nothing that is pressuring the Sixers to do anything right now. Season hasn't started yet. There aren't games happening yet, but it's interesting. We were just talking about distractions. That is the only leverage that James Harden has right now is essentially promising in not so many words to be a distraction and to be an annoyance and to be a hindrance to the production of this team if he joins a uh, training camp October 2nd. And everyone knows Sixers ain't got time for that, right? Th these are the Sixers that are still trying to battle for a championship. They don't need any distractions going into a training camp, especially in this new year. So that's the only thing that, only leverage he really has but right now, Daryl Morey doesn't feel like moving. And I think this whole situation reflects that. Wink, wink, none of that matters. It's business. Right. Daryl Morey has made it very clear. It. We and saw exactly. what he did with, with, with the Houston Rockets. We saw, exactly. we saw what Harden did with the Rockets. And we also saw what Daryl Morey did before with Ben Simmons. But I don't think he has that leeway in the organization anymore. I don't think he can mm. hold out that long. So he's yeah. going to have to make something happen. Will it be James Harden to the Clippers? If it does, then we can talk about later what that will mean for the Clips. But yeah, it's messy. It's messy. It All is right. messy. It, it is, is messy. Ladies First Fridays, and I want to talk about the women. So let 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 let's take a break and get right back so we can talk about the women. <laughs> I love women it. in sports, baby. Always. 
Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Well, it is post-All-Star, but while some teams are struggling, the Aces beat the Storm to improve to 20-2, and two, matching the WNBA's record for the best start to a season. Zina and they're Kata. only going to, they're just going to keep getting better. I mean, they're, they're literally on their way to making the 29-game win in a, a regular season, which is the record uh, held by the Phoenix Mercury. And they're just chilling. They're having a great time. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes. Do we think yeah, we're gonna have... they're gonna surpass that the twenty nine wins? Yeah, yeah, one thousand percent. And I, I, I wonder how many say, wins like, they're gonna get. I, I'm not gonna make you guess right now, but we do. Think no, I won't, gonna... I won't guess now because the thing about it is, is that they've got they still have to see the wings again. They still have to they have to, they have to see some teams again that have been able to upend some really great teams. Um, what I'm very curious about is any night though could be any other W team's night, right? Outside of the aces, the rest of the league is just kind of like any night a team can come in um, and get a win or stumble and fall and, and let a, a lesser team beat them. So I'm very curious if the if there's any teams that kind of have targets on the aces back to be that team that can get them to stumble and fall. But uh, knowing that Candace Parker was just listed as out, I don't think that that makes a big impact. On, on what the, the the aces can do they're so stacked and so so versatile in the way that they can perform it's not really going to make an impact they're they're really killing it right now i do they wish, are and that's uh, that's just so crazy better soon yeah definitely hoping for candace to be better but it's a testament to how great they are one night they didn't have kelsey plum didn't yeah. make a difference they didn't have candace parker didn't make a difference and they're blowing teams no. out so it's like if they were, and we want everyone healthy for the postseason, mm -hmm. but if they were to even lose one of these players, they can likely still win it all. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I do, I really do. I feel like it's the Aces. And like I said, it's the Aces world and we're just living in it. I just think it's them <laughs> and everyone else. Um, and I, I, I think the only team that has the potential ceiling is the Liberty, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to hit their ceiling this season, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And they are one they of those still teams. Have the they just had like a really bad loss the other night. So um, yeah. I don't, you know, we we will see. But, you know, something I just, you know, there was a dust up last night in the sky, Mercury. Oh. 
and it involves um, two players who are like featured in an iconic picture, and that is yes. and Sophie Cunningham. And it, you know, it got a little. This is this is from you know the the the, the finals a couple of years mm. ago when they played, but you know, last night they were playing, and you know, it was a debate whether you know Sophie was going for the ball. But it looked like she grabbed at, you know, Kalia Copper's legs. Uh And, um, you know, it just, these two and they're back and forth, you know, it's just, um, it's a a fun thing. So I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm not here. I'm not here for players to get hurt um, or injured. But I just, I like this fierce competition in sports. I like it. And I feel like. It's like women shouldn't act like that or we shouldn't talk about it or we shouldn't amp it up, you know, because there's some people who are saying, you know, yeah. that that she's dirty. And I'm, I'm actually not even levying those terms, but I'm just saying, like, allow us to fan out and talk about women's sports. Yes. Say we talk about men's sports, too. That's right. Women's sports needs that freedom to have villains, to have dirty players, to have dirty plays that you can call out. If you can do that in the NFL and call out a dirty play and still buy that player's jersey, let us do that in the women's game too. It doesn't need to be a tea party. It doesn't need to be kumbaya, everyone holding hands. Everyone's so sweet. Oh, good play, good job. I know you're my competition, but good job. I'm so proud of you. No, if someone's dirty, let them be dirty. If someone wants to say something about, hey, I'm better than you, or, oh, I'm going to get you next time I get come back to your city, let them say it and let us well, dirty, dirty without injuring anyone, right? Dirty, and I mean, but, yes, yeah, sure. We have exactly, these conversations all the time about players like Marcus Smart, Draymond Green, and right. and right in the NBA. So, But it's just like, we also say those players are passionate and they sure. are you know, rugged and there's other descriptors we use for them. They need the women's game just deserves the same versatility and freedom to be competitive and to be exciting the same way that the men's game does too we keep talking about the growing the game expansion of teams expansion of rosters expansion no it's just expansion of how we discuss the game allow fans and us the media to be able to say hey that was a dirty play and that doesn't necessarily define that player but we can call it out as what it is or being able to say like oh this person's better than this person and it's a competition. That's all it needs to be. It doesn't need to be this whole, oh, wow, everyone needs to be playing nice. Like, why are people being mean? Mean? Yeah. It's sports. This is sports. Um, like, what are we talking about right now? And it's pro sports. This isn't your, your, your fourth, fourth year old, fourth grade, like, league. This is pro sports, people. Come on. Like you said, on. it isn't a tea party. And you know where it won't be yes. a tea party? In the World Cup, because we know yes. that those women like to show passion, right? Oh, so I love it. Uh, I love it. I'm so excited about World Cup. I don't know if you guys were catching the game last night, but World Cup's going on right now in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, this right now has the most a- attention on it. They have sold a million tickets in the Australia um, in the Australia venue. I mean, they're thinking that they're going to break even. That's huge. Even though breaking even sounds like, hey, they're not making any money, that's huge for us. For a tournament like this to not be operating at a loss, uh, for them to have prize money, they've gone up 3x in the prize money for the women. They're still working to get to the level of the men, and their goal is to get there by 2026, is according to FIBA. But they're extending the game, and they're expanding the game. And I'm really, really excited for this year's tournament because brands like Nike, all these huge brands are getting behind it and that is the support that the women's game needs to get the visibility and the support from the fans and get everyone excited. So tune in 
Women's team for the U.S. are playing tomorrow against Vietnam. Uh, that story alone, that Vietnam made it, is huge. So very excited for that game, 6 p.m. Eastern. And we do know that some of the players on the U.S. team will be playing in tribute in the honor of Katie Meyer um, yes. from Stanford, who died by suicide. So Naomi Guillermo wrote an amazing tribute mm. to her, and they they will be honoring her as they play and try to get um, another win for the U.S. Right. in the in the a World Cup. Oh Something yes, the game is. Yeah, that was by a the dream. Way, I said for the game is tomorrow, to but the game team. is tonight. Yes, tonight, and, but uh, it's. Yeah, in the U.S. Tomorrow for the, yes, exactly. And Naomi Gurma, Katie Meyer told her she would be on this team. She made the national team. She will be on the roster tonight. They're working around mental health and, and wanting to support that initiative. So playing for the world, playing for the U.S., and playing for their friend, it's all beautiful. I'm so excited for the World Cup. Thanks for joining, Thanks for joining us, joining y'all. Us Have a another. great weekend. Ladies First Friday. Thank you. Bye, guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.